With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. The weeks are getting more interesting. Uh, I enjoy this pol- political stuff, obviously, you know that. Uh, Joe Biden material, etc. It's nice that we don't have all of that Donald Trump. Uh, and you can see what a pig the man was. With uh, Biden right now is at the G7. They just completed it. He must have talked to Putin today or tomorrow. Uh, last year at the G7, Trump went, or four years ago, his first G7, Trump went in there and said, you guys owe money to us. You haven't been paying your bill. What a way to start that kind of a talk. That's something you do in private. You don't embarrass someone else. And then at that same uh, G7 meeting, he had some kind of an oral altercation with uh, the Prime Minister of Canada, Trudeau. Uh, It happens. Uh, But that's part of life, uh, especially if you're negotiating about things that are so big uh, that they're negotiated at that highest level. Well, Trump got irritated. He was embarrassed. So what did he do? He got on his airplane and went home. He took his football and ran home. Trudeau didn't even know he left. That's an insult in reverse. Anyhow, it's good. The news is good, so forth. Uh, let me tell you some of the places we're going to go tonight. Key West, Washington, D.C., Hollywood, Holland, Provincetown, Europe, Rome, Texas, and Africa. We're all over the place tonight. Last week, I don't think I left the United States. Uh, let me start with two items of breaking news. They were not my my intended main topic for tonight, but they're important enough that they've got to be shared at this moment, and I want to do it at the beginning, so I describe it as my breaking news. It was announced today that the COVID deaths had passed 600,000. And you say, oh, my God, that's terrible. And it is terrible. 600,000 people died from coronavirus. However, that very, the very same news broadcast also said, but the deaths are coming down. And at this point, the number of deaths per month is equivalent to what it was roughly more than a year ago. On March 30th, it was 330 deaths per week, March 30th. This is March 30th, 2020, not 21. 330 deaths per week, uh, and now that's what we're down to. And so it's going down the number of deaths. It won't rise rapidly to 700,000. I'm not saying it won't get there. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. But I'm just saying they're moving in the right direction, the number of deaths. We should be excited. I'm excited and pleased. Uh, It's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's working. And also, uh, the same, very same news show said 60, what they attributed to, 65% of adults in this country, adults, have gotten at least one shot. 
Everyone should get their two shots. This is so stupid not getting it. What do you got to lose? So eight people out of 500,000 got sick or died. I know those are terrible numbers. One person would be a terrible number. But look at the other diseases we get shots for, like the flu, okay? Measles for kids, all this stuff. And why do we get these shots so we won't get these diseases? They have a number of negatives that are very small. What's eight people out of 500,000? Less than 1%, less than 0.5%. Uh, people are crazy not to get it. Everyone's so smart, uh, but they're not as smart as the scientists and the doctors in this world. Number two in breaking news, and this is one that something I never heard of before, and that's why I got into it. And perhaps you have. If you haven't, I share it with you. If you have, I tell you it's coming again. This weekend. We are expecting in Florida, in the southern part of the United States, we are expecting a Saharan dust cloud. Saharan dust cloud. Sahara Desert, Africa. Well, it's going to whip up over there the wind, going to pick up the sand, and going to bring it across the ocean to, southern, to Florida. Wild. Never heard of it before. But apparently something that happens generally every year, but we're not aware most of the time, because it isn't that great to affect us. And we don't know if this one's going to affect us. It has a plus and a negative side also, all right? What it does, this sand hurricane, this dust storm, these dust clouds, okay, they hold down uh, the smaller hurricanes, the ones, the twos, the tropical storms, so they don't develop. It eliminates it eliminates, it destroys hurricanes that may be on the way or be there. That's why they're good. Now, there is a negative, though, to this also. Uh, and you can understand this. Uh, the air quality isn't too good because of all the sand coming over. And it, it creates and aggravates respiratory problems. Okay, So I would say, and this is Lewis, I didn't read it anywhere, don't throw away your key, your face masks. You may need them this weekend. Very interesting, isn't it? Now, moving into uh, number one on my hit list of important things to discuss this evening. My friends, the chart room is open. Isn't that wonderful? Those of you that are with me every week or read my blog every day, you know, my haven, my place away from home, my Shangri-La in Key West is the chart room at the Pier House. And it is for many other people like me who live down here full-time. It is a unique room. It has been closed because of the pandemic. It is now opened. I didn't even know. Somebody called me last night. It opened Saturday night. It was open Saturday and Sunday. I didn't know. I didn't go. But And it's going to be closed Monday and Tuesdays. They're short of help. We're short of help down here. Got one bartender for five nights. Normally they work four and three, so it's going to be shut two, day, two nights a week. But tomorrow night it opens for the new week, and guess who's going to be there about five o'clock? It opens at four. Lewis, I swear to God, I'm not going to write or tell you that I changed my mind about going out. I will be there. All right, now here's how it's going to work. Uh, John Holster's back to bartending. He's bartending. He's been there three or four years. And I say, welcome back, John. Uh, good bartender, relatively young fellow, about 40 years old. Good bartender, though. Uh, and he has, bartenders down here are personalities, by the way. 
they get the right place. They bring in a ton of money because of their personality. And John's one of those guys. Now, I'm going to speak quite a bit about David Wolkowski in discussing the chat room. I'm going to give you a little history about the chat room. David Wolkowski is the father of modern Key West. His vision and effort awakened a dormant community. David was a wonderful man, one of the best I have met in my lifetime. We were friends, for real friends. David died a few years ago at, age of 90, at the age of 99. Uh, in 1967, David thought the Gulf End of Duval had the makings for a good hotel. Understand that in 1967, the Gulf End, where the pier house is today, and the Ocean Key House across the street, uh, was a mud puddle. Nothing. Not even boats could get in. It was a mud puddle. Uh, but he thought, gee whiz, we should develop this. And there's nothing here. Well, there was nothing in Key West either in 1967 except for checks. Uh, and there was a, a little restaurant and, and some pure pilings, which he moved and made it part of what he was going to do subsequently with the pier house. Anyhow, David said, well, I'm going to build a hotel. Now, you have to understand, David was a wealthy man. Uh, David was a great guy, and he had this vision. So in 1967, the first thing he built at the end of Duval Street was a 50-unit motel, and he named it the Pier House Motel. You know, there's a saying that big trees from little acorns grow. Such was the case with the Pier House. David is the person who grew the pier house to what it is today because he turned the motel into the hotel and then he built this massive hotel we have here and then he sold it for a great profit and this wasn't his only hotel he beat the he, the reach the reach hotel he built the reach hotel he's the father of the reach too 43 years ago not 1967 or just 43 years ago some of David's local, local friends talked to him about a bar for the Peros. The Peros did not have a bar. And they said, let's have something small and intimate. We can get together every night for cocktails. And David agreed. David agreed we should have a bar. We'll make it a little bar. And he did it right away. David did not waste time on anything. He took out one of the first floor rooms. He added booze and a mahogany bar. The chart room was born. An instantaneous hit, especially for the power brokers of Key West. Bankers, politicians, judges, the police chief, the fire chief, the deputy fire chief, pot smugglers. Pot smuggling was big back then. They were big guys in town. Divers, etc. More business was done during the cocktail hour at the chart room than anywhere else in Key West. Mel Fisher was a regular. Fisher eventually found part of the Atosha and $400 million in gold and emeralds. Jimmy Buffett got his start in the chart room. Buffett first arrived in November 1971. He roared into Key West in a 1947 Packard sedan with Mr. Bo Jangles, who had some notoriety at the time. Wolkowski gave him a job, gave Buffett a job. By the way, Buffett was a boozer back then. He was a drunk. He was a young guy. He drank all the time, played his guitar, hoped somebody would feed him. Got it? No, no, I'm not lying. This is the story. It's a wonderful story. 
Wolkowski gave him a job in the chart room, singing and playing a small guitar. His pay was tips and drinks from customers. He didn't get paid by Wolkowski, and he didn't get paid by the Paris. Merely tips and drinks from customers. Wolkowski had a smart eye for pending success. He eventually paid Buffett, paid him real money, to perform in the chart room. Buffett will attest to the fact the first one to pay him in actual money in Key West was Wolkowski. Now, Wolkowski was a good influence on him, too. If you met David, you wouldn't understand. He'd be a good influence on anyone. He's just that kind of a guy. The two became friends and business partners. They purchased buildings in Key West and elsewhere in the United States. Young fella, older fella, they binded. They bound. They bound. And each in his own way became a success, and then they pooled their money and became bigger success. The chart room swiftly became a place for visiting rich and famous. The big shots came. Men like Truman Capote, Tennessee Williams, British Pine Minister Heath, Rockefellers and Mellons. They were all guests of David Wolkowski. They didn't become because of the Pier House. They came because they had become friends in other places of David Wolkowski. David knew everyone, and they knew him. They came to Key West to enjoy the Pier House, chart room, and Wolkowski's company. The locals who initially frequented, frequented the chart room included Steve and Cindy Thompson. Steve made his fortune with taco stands all over Key West and Florida. Cindy worked as Buffett's assistant for 30 years. Would you believe that? She was his assistant for 30 years. Uh, other locals uh, who initially frequented the chart room were Hunter Thompson, Tom Cochran, Tom McEvane, Mr. Bojangles, Jerry Jeff, and Jim Croce. Uh, this was a time, by the way, when no one was famous yet, and drinking was a sport. Everybody was a boozer down here. Freebies were available from day one and today also, when you go into the chart room, they got free hot dogs, popcorn, and a huge barrel of peanuts. And all three of those items go over big every night. Chart room doesn't open until four in the afternoon, by the way. The bar rail has become the railing on the bar, on the mahogany bar, has become the resting place for a handful of the original customers. Small holes were dug in the bar, one for each of the individuals involved, a small plaque with each's name next to their hole. As they died, supposedly, I'm not saying this is definite, this is the story, though, supposedly a small portion of their ashes were placed in the holes and sealed over. Only one hole today remains unfilled. And you have no idea the people that come in and want to see those holes in the bar. They want to see where the ashes are. Gene and Joe Thornton are regulars today. Gene and Joe, wonderful people, from Birmingham, Alabama. Years ago, Gene went diving with Mel Fisher. She found, this, this, she's a school teacher, by the way, at the time, she found gold coins and emeralds. A school teacher, she stopped working immediately. Jean is known today as Key West Golden Girl. She's, they bought a place in Truman Annex right away. She spends about nine months uh, a year here in Key West. Everyone loves Jean Thornton. Time moves on. Regulars come and go. Some move, some by death. New regulars come upon the scene. Uh, there's a group of regulars today, which includes, and I think this is the third group of, of regulars, okay, because it's been 
the, the chat room's been there for over 40 years, and I think it's about the third group. And the groups blend a little bit. But today's group includes Gene and Joe Thornton, Sheila Collins, Steve and Cindy Thompson are still here. They're alive. Ali, Ali, great, great uh, solid waste engineer down there. Kevin and Holly, another couple. Jay. Now, Jay was not Spanish. He wasn't Puerto Rican. He was a New York City Jew. But somehow, his family, his parents gave him the first name, Jay. I don't even know what his last name is. He was at that bar at the corner of the bar standing every night for years down there. He died about three or four years ago, unfortunately. He has one of those holes. Uh, Elizabeth, no, not Elizabeth, English Peter. English Peter Bamberger. English Peter is actually British, looks British. He's got that mustache, big white mustache you twist at the end. Uh, he's a British citizen. Came over here when he was about 20, 21. Went into the service. I forget what war he fought. And uh, a well-known man here. Terrific guy. Uh, everyone loved Peter. Peter now moved to a place to around uh, uh, Tampa or somewhere. He comes down to visit three or four times a year, however. Then there's David Hecht. He's been here forever. I don't know where he comes from, know nothing about him, but he's one of the sweetest guys in the world. Ann Zaylor, Valerie Shelley. Valerie and her husband opened like a wine bar on Duval Street 10 years ago. The place took off immediately. It's still a gold mine. Everyone goes to the wine bar. I don't drink wine, so I don't go. I drink hard liquor. And... Uh, but Jean goes and a lot of the other names. And Valerie and her husband was originally from Australia. They now have two places in Coconut Grove and another one further north. And they're working their butts off, but they are the American success story. That's what they represent. Then there's Marty Leeshaw. Marty is a court stenographer, lives in Fort Lauderdale, discovered early in life no court stenographers in Key West because nobody wanted to travel the distance down here to do a trial in a small town. So he started coming down here. He ran an apartment. He'd stay here two or three weeks at a time, go home for a week. His wife would join him sometimes, his kids. I met Marty almost the first time he was in the chart room like 20 years ago. We became very close friends. He and I had every, dinner together every night. And the dinners were terrific, and I'll tell you why. We were and still are diametrically opposed politically. I am a, I, I'm a diehard liberal, Democratic liberal. He's a black-hearted Republican, and boy, he don't deviate from that position. Uh, Marty's retired now and going back to Fort Lauderdale. He pops in every now and then uh, to visit his old friends. And then the final person who's part of the local scene today, a regular at the chat room, is me. I, I will be there almost every night now that it's open again. Now, just let me share this with you as a, as a closing point of my thoughts uh, concerning the chat room. A person senses history. I've got to say this. A person senses history as he or she enters the chat room. It's unavoidable. You walk in there, you know this place is something special, this place is something different. Even though it's just bigger than a closet, 
even though it's always got uh, peanut uh, shells on the floor. You got to throw them on the floor. That's the tradition. Uh, and I don't know if they clean the place every night, but it's not dirty. And everything's hanging in every place, pictures and everything over the years. It's different, but it's warm and it's welcoming. And that's the story about the chart room, my dear chart room, uh, that opened today. Now, took a lot of time for me to share that with you, most of my show, but I don't care. You've got to know about the chart room if you don't. And if you come to Key West, the first night here, go in and have a drink at the chart room. You will stop in just about every evening after that. You don't have to stay all night. Have a drink or two. BS with the people at the bar. Everyone becomes friends right away. Okay, I want to talk about following the money. Uh, I'm talking about January 6th. We're investigating big time. Uh, the uh, Attorney General, uh, Merrick Mer- uh, Garland, has been on TV this past week several times. He was on again today. And this is what he's going to do, et cetera, because he wasn't saying anything. Well, he's arrested. The Justice Department, Department of Justice, has arrested approximately 500 participants in the January 6th insurrection. Uh, I don't think the right people are getting arrested. They're arresting the people who are there breaking windows and chasing people. They're not arresting the people with the money. This is no different than a real a crime. I'm talking about a political crime. I'm talking about uh, the mafia or something like that. To get the people at the top, and those are the ones you have to get also, you follow the money, and the money will always take you to the big people. Well, who are the big people? Do you think all those people you saw on television January 6th had the money to rent the bus to come from Oregon and Washington to Washington, D.C., had the money for hotel rooms, had the money for food? They don't have this money. These were regular people, you know, solid American people whose minds are twisted right now, and that's how i got to phrase it. That's how I see it. So there has to be somebody else. The oligarchs, the new, these big millionaires we're reading about, they are financed. Most of them are financing, finance the insurrection, are financing this radical right, this far right. Uh, and they're the troublemakers. And they should trace back, trace them down. That's what the Department of Justice has to do. That's what Merrick Garland's got to do, because that's the only way we're going to get these people. You've got to get the people at the top. Follow the money. And now I want to talk briefly about Merrick Garland. I think he's a great man. The, the, the little I know about him, I know about him as much as you do, I guess. Uh, back when, remember the Oklahoma bombing federal building? Merrick Garland was in the Department of Justice at the time. He was put in charge of the investigation. Did an excellent job. The guy who did it, went, got, they, they executed him. And he, whatever he had to do, he did. Uh, and he, so he's always been complimented about this from way back then till now. He eventually became a federal judge. In Washington, D.C., he sits on the Second Circuit, which is considered the second strongest court in the United States after the Supreme Court. He's been a judge for more than 20 years. He's now the Attorney General of the United States under Joe Biden. I don't think that a good investigator necessarily makes 
a good judge, nor do I think a good judge makes a good investigator. What's Lewis saying? I'm not sure as honest and as brilliant as Merrick Garland is that he's the man for the job. Because judges get in a rut. Ten years and they're gone. Twenty years, oh my God. They only think one way. They only see things one way. Arbitrary and unreasonable, even though they say I'm fair. I look at both sides. They become hardest. And it's not wrong. That's life. You do the same thing every day for 20 years, you have a mindset. Investigative people the same way. I believe that Robert Mueller blew the first Trump investigation for impeachment because he had been an FBI man all his life. He was the head of the FBI. And the FBI has this rule. You don't indict a sitting president. Well, that's not a law. Years ago, whoever was in the FBI said, hey, we shouldn't indict a sitting president. We'll wait till he gets out, then we'll get him. It just doesn't sound right. So he didn't. But that meant that his investigation when it came out was such that it was leading to bringing this up and that up. But in the end, he had to say, it's not enough because you can't indict a sitting president. And he blew it. He had the material. He should have gone after him and tested. You can't indict a sitting president. Not law. Still isn't law. So I'm worried about Merrick Garland. Uh, I say this with all due respect. Uh, He's got a tough job. But he's got to get the big shots on January 6th, or we're going to have another January 6th, January 7th, and January 8th. These people are not going to stop. They still believe Trump (laughs) uh, got screwed out of the election. Uh, They still believe that America is going down the tubes, and they're going to save our country. They're going to save our country. They're misdirected and misguided. Okay, Audrey Hepburn, remember her? Famous movie star, 1950s, 1960s. Interesting story. I came about about this accidentally this past week. Uh, She wasn't in the news or anything. But Audrey Hepburn was a great movie star. She She was thin, little girl, thin. Uh, her first movie was, what the hell was her first movie? Excuse me for saying that bad word, hell. Her first movie was Roman Holiday. She won the Academy Award for it. She, she started it with Gregory Peck. Anyhow, here's her story. She's in Germany. She's German. Her mother and father are German. The mother and father separate. The mother senses a war is coming. Ha, uh, Holland had announced that they would remain neutral during the war. So she takes Audrey, her daughter, and runs off to Holland. The father's still in Germany. Uh, and she goes there because she thinks she's going to be safe. But they aren't safe because Hitler's still attacked and conquered and occupied Holland for several years and really treated the people bad. Now, Audrey didn't have enough food. She's thin today. And the doctors say the reason she's so thin, and she was there during her, not adolescent years, her, uh, you know, 10, 12, 13, 14. When a child doesn't eat, have enough to eat at a certain time in her her life, the body doesn't form properly. And the reason Audrey Hepburn was so thin was because she was malnourished for three or four years. Okay. Now, while the mother, the mother is still a Nazi, 
okay? She gets along good, but she isn't getting food. Don't ask me why. I couldn't figure that one out. Anyhow, though, the, the mother is writing at the time uh, for a German publication uh, called The Blacklist. She and her husband, before World War II started, uh, wrote uh, for the British Union of Fascists. That was a neo-Nazi group in England. Uh, her husband now, Joseph was his name. Ella was the mother. Joseph's in Germany, and he's riding high with the Nazis. And then he went to England, uh, and he, he, need, he had to put some money together. And he didn't get it from England, but he put the, this money together because he was going to start a, a Germany-supported newspaper. Now, where did he get the money? He got the money from Joseph Goebbels, who was Hitler's propaganda minister. And, of course, when this happened, the British Commons had him arrested, and they sent him to jail for the rest of the war. That's all. He went to jail for the rest of the war. He was considered a bad guy, an enemy of the state. He was considered an enemy of the state. So that's Now, she worked for the resistance. That's right. She's 12, 13, 14. She's carrying documents and money from one, one resistance group to another. Her mother didn't know. Her father didn't know. She knew what her parents were doing. If she was caught, she would have been killed. The reason she was doing it and the resistance had her and other young kids doing it because the Germans rarely stopped children, never thought that they might be carrying money and other things. So, my good friends, that is the story for this week. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you enjoyed the chart room. Such a wonderful place again. Heaven on earth. I'm not kidding. Heaven on earth. Dramatic, but heaven on earth. Visit if you ever come down here. And I do a blog every morning, keywestlube.com. Read it. It's, it's the show in writing and print, keywestlube.com. And what else can I tell you? This is the story for tonight. I have spoken to you. I'll be back. Next week, be sure to join me at that time again. Good night. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.